When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maryland sports fans. There's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey out there, rock and rollers. Welcome to the 61st edition of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast, recorded here in northwest central London, just off historic Abbey Road. We want to thank everybody who tuned in to last week's show on the Beatles' Get Back docuseries. It was a lot of fun to be with our old friend Neil of Def Lep Pod. And we had a great conversation with him, not only as an Englishman, but as a native Liverpudlian, or someone who grew up in Liverpool, to hear his perspective as someone who'd had the Beatles around his entire life. It's kind of part of his community ethos. And just to see how he felt about the documentary, which was amazing. We've got a lot of great comments. and I think it sparked a lot of interest in people learning about the Beatles again, listening to their music again, especially from our side as folks who weren't enormous Beatles fans. But after this docuseries, you couldn't help but appreciate their talent and what they were doing, what they were going through at that time, and all the great music that they created. Look, this show is about classic rock, hard rock, progressive rock, heavy metal, early MTV, stuff that we grew up on, and stuff that Jackson and I, since college, have gotten into and come to appreciate. And so you have to have some kind of appreciation of the Beatles. And this docuseries is a great chance for us to kind of revisit that and and understand why do we like the Beatles, what was it about them that made them so special and unique in the world of rock and roll. So good show, and we appreciate you tuning in. Now, as far as stuff we've gotten into later in life, progressive rock is something that has really become a big part of what I listen to these days. It's really happened over the last eight or ten years. It's a term that I wasn't really familiar with until fairly recently. Obviously, I always knew bands like Yes, Pink Floyd, Genesis, Rush, folks like that, but didn't know there was a subcategory necessarily for them. Now it's kind of a big deal, and there's a Great magazine, Prog Rock magazine that I subscribe to over here. You can get it in the USA, which showcases these bands, not only the classics, but current Prog Rock bands and stuff that people are still making who maybe 
were in those bands back in the day and now have moved on to be solo artists or be in new bands and still have that prog sound. It's very musical. It's smart. The lyrics aren't just about going to the soda shop with your girlfriend. They are usually very good musicians and they often stretch out quite a bit. That's what led me to getting to know Steve Hackett and getting to know Steve Hackett led me to Amanda Lehman. Amanda Lehman has been a has been a musician and touring musician for decades. She's had a little bit of off and on time again, as we will explore here. But we were able to interview her about her new album, Innocence and Illusion, which came out last year. It made my top list of 2021 albums. And I got to tell you, most of my top albums are by huge bands who you would expect to be on there, like Iron Maiden's new album, or... They're by bands reissuing classic albums like the Rolling Stones' Tattoo You reissue was on there. A lot of people say, you're not covering enough new music. Well, to be honest with you, I don't find that much new music. And the only reason I often find new music is because it's by people who I already know who are maybe now in a different part of their career but are still making music. And it's just refreshing to be able to find a new voice, someone who I don't know very well or haven't heard a lot in the past, and Amanda Lehman certainly qualifies. She's a brilliant songwriter. She has a lovely voice and can do different registers there, and is a great musician, piano. I see her as a guitar player because I got to see her play guitar with Steve Hackett at the London Palladium this past fall as he was touring Seconds Out with his incredibly talented band. So we're obviously going to talk to a man about that, but we want to explore her musical breakthrough. What made her want to become a musician in the first place? What kind of ups and downs did she have in her life to lead her to that point? And then, of course, we want to talk about this album, Innocence and Illusion, which is amazing. And you can get that at Amanda Lehman, which is L-E-H-M-A-N-N, .co.uk. That's amandalayman.co.uk. And we had a great conversation with Amanda about all things music, all things on her album, and what she's going to be up to this year and beyond. Now, as usual, you can check us out at Ugly underscore Werewolf and at ActionJack72 on Twitter. And you can check out all past episodes at www.UglyAmericanWerewolf.Libsyn.com. But that's enough about us. We want you to hear from Amanda Lehman, a talented musician, maybe not that well-known in America, but has the respect of other musicians, especially other progressive rock musicians, has been touring with Steve Hackett here for a long time, and we're going to get all into her new album, Innocence and Illusion, right here on The Wolf. Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So thanks so much for joining us. I, I really appreciate it. Did you have a good good break, good holiday over the last few weeks? Yes. Yeah, had a bit of bit of downtime over sort of the Christmas break, which was nice, and had family around, so we were busy. So yeah, it was really nice. It, it went in a flash, as it always does. Always. And suddenly, you kind of it just seems like forever ago, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. No, you're right about that for sure. I know your time's valuable, so we kind of want to jump into it. We kind of want to get a little background on you for our listeners in the USA who maybe don't know you quite as well. So we want to get some background. We also want to walk through your your great album here, Innocence and Illusion, you know, and tell them all about it. We, we usually go track by track when we're doing an album review, but we'll kind of start off with that. I want to just ask you a couple questions because I was at one of the Palladium shows. I know, I know. And so I just like a couple of fan geek kind of questions, if that's okay with you. That's fine. <laughs> but, but Jackson, I, why don't you go ahead and start off? I kind of wanted to start off at the beginning. Just uh, wanted to get your kind of your story about how you got into being a professional musician. Did you grow up in a musical family? What were your influences? Just kind of start from there about how your journey to being a, I mean, there are a lot of people that enjoy music, a lot of people that play music, very few that actually get to be professional musicians. So I was just interested in your, in your story. Okay. Well, yeah, I did grow up in a musical family. My dad, he played the violin and uh, he played it beautifully. So I was kind of like always aware of listening to him and there was a lot of music played in the house, mostly really classical music when I was a kid. And so I was always like surrounded by that sort of sort of music, very kind of intricate orchestral arrangements. And, and it, it, it just, it's funny, when you're little, you just kind of soak it in, don't you? And that's kind of your environment. You don't question it. And it, it yeah, uh, mom, my mum didn't play an instrument, but she loved music. And uh, my sister, she learned the violin from my dad. And then I always wanted to play an instrument. I was always singing, always kind of like, I just loved music. I, I can't remember not loving music. I've always uh, loved singing and making up songs, which, yeah, things like, I don't know. I, I won't know. No, no, anything. <laughs> just crazy childhood songs. <laughs> Still got them somewhere. And I always wanted to play, well, anything really, but really the piano was something I very much wanted to play. And when I was about, was I about eight, seven, maybe? I, I, yeah, my parents got me a piano. And that was like um, opening up a world. Suddenly there was this, this piano there and it was just so exciting. And I had lessons, so again, it was all classical kind of training. And I, I just just loved the piano. 
I played it every day and it, it was it was amazing to have the ability to make music. And that one of the things I love about the piano is that you've you've just got you can just make such big sounds yourself on your own. You don't, you know, that and the violin, I loved listening to my father playing it, but it was a very solo instrument. Right. And the same kind of uh, felt about the guitar really because again the guitar you've got your own band because you can sing and play so you've right. got, you got what you need to, to actually perform something on your own and so the guitar I kind of was self-taught um, wow. and just picked picked things up sort of bit by bit who, who were your influences like, uh, to, as far as playing the guitar like did you hear someone and say oh <laughs> I gotta do that that's that's the way to go again I think I would say that I soaked up the guitar from various influences I mean at quite an early age I was aware of bands like Genesis so obviously there's the Steve Hackett reference way way before I ever knew him I loved his guitar playing which is kind of you know very serendipitous and Pink Floyd Dave Gilmore that you know all his guitar playing um, and then I was into a lot of rock stuff as well so like Deep Purple so Richie Blackmore hugely influential for me again so all, all sorts of and, and just general blues guitar as well you know obviously Captain and, and all those those sort of players and as I got older Steve Rothery again was was a, a big influence for me so all those sort of sort of guitar players well just just so many that you could pick from but yeah yeah very much that sort of rock and and prog and blues all sort of you know mished together so you it, kind of end up was, with your own style it was interesting because you were talking about playing the piano and um we we had just got done doing a show recording a show for the beatles get back um i don't oh, know if you yeah. had a chance to see that um but there's a there's a clip of paul mccartney he's playing the piano and he just looks at it and he says it's all right here everything yeah. every but he ever will play or has played is on the piano. Yeah. And and uh, I remember, too, I was listening to an interview with Eddie Van Halen, and he said, if you're going to be a musician, you have to be able to play the piano. You have to because you do the rhythm and you do the the lead at the same time. And yeah. like you said, you, you can play everything and not just be a solo instrument. So yeah. it's it's interesting that the piano keeps coming up over and over and over again as the instrument to start on. It um, is, and it's really so it. logically laid out as well, isn't it? It's wonderful. It's repeated <laughs> on this guitar neck. It's like, what, what's that B string doing there? That's not right. So, yeah, it's it's really so logical. And, and as you say, you know, to start on, again, it's, it's a wonderful instrument because it gives you everything. So definitely, definitely. Yeah, and and I compose quite a lot on that as well. Well, let's yeah. let's then skip ahead a little bit because uh, you eventually did meet up with with Steve, and I think it was out of the tunnel's mouth was the era where where you kind of first locked up, or is that not true? I mean, tell us how you first kind of met him and then started to play with him in this amazing uh, bond that you now have that he lets you play on his signature song with him. My no, <laughs> brave man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I've been playing in bands since I was a teenager, so mm-hmm. I've been, you know, there's a lot of build-up to that. I have my own bands, so I was already kind of, you know, going my own sweet way anyway with all of that, and I was I was a full-time musician. When my son was born, I took kind of a bit of a break from music because I was a single mum, mm-hmm. so, you know, it, 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 there was a lot to, to, to do. <laughs> I didn't have time to to devote to music so I had to put it on the on the back burner for a while and then I, I but I did do the occasional like um solo show just to kind of keep my hand in just just local things okay and it was one of those that Steve 
came to with with Joe, mm-hmm. and so I was, did my thing, and it was it was a funny it was a funny night at that venue. It was um, a really difficult sort of crowd to to, to win over, Uh-oh. and um, but by the end of the show they were all into it, and and, and uh, it, it, it turned around, and it was a really good show, and. Stephen was like really impressed that I managed to do that on my own, you know, just just and, and win over a really difficult audience. And I think it kind of clicked with him, although he'd heard some of my music before. I think that really just just clicked. And he then said, "Would I like to do some backing vocals on Out of the Tunnel's Mouth?" Yes, please, love to. And I think then out of that, there was the tour that followed. Mm-hmm. So I did the UK, just sort of did a few tracks and uh, the guitar as well. And it just grew, it just grew, you know, I'm, I love live work anyway, and Steve was really happy to have me on board, and, and it just just grew from there, yeah. Excellent. Well, I, I definitely want to talk to you about the Palladium show. I mean, just skip forward even further, I know, just because I was there, and it was the first live show that I'd seen in two years. And I think it was yeah. the same way for a lot of people. I think Jackson's still yeah. waiting to see his first live show in two years, right? So yeah, um, yeah. But we Gosh. did a sh- we did a show on it. You know, we we did recorded an episode on it, which has become very very popular with our fans. I, I think it's because we've really connected with a big prog crowd here. Also because I saw you all early in the show, and then from there. Uh, I said, oh, you're going to be in Brighton tonight? Well, you should go see Steve and Amanda. You're going to be in Dundee tonight? Go see Steve Hackett and listen to our show. But you were brilliant, by the way. Let me just start off that way. You were brilliant at the show on guitar and on vocals. Thank you. And it was kind of like you were the opening act, right? I mean, the whole band was out there for Steve's five solo songs. They take a break, and then everyone but you comes back for seconds out. So it's basically Amanda Lehman with Steve and the boys backing her up, is the opening act. Is that a fair assessment? <laughs> I like that. I haven't thought of it that way. <laughs> and, of course, you played on some of the songs on the most recent Steve song, the, the Surrender of Silence record, and, and it made sense that you would sing on those live. And you did an amazing job on Shadow of the Hierophant, which is what you kind of closed that opening set with. But I have to yeah. talk to you about every day. Okay. Okay. Because this is the song that introduced me to Steve as a solo artist. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, yeah. And they don't play it in America, on America Radio. I had to go find this. And when I heard it, I'm like, why haven't I known about this for decades? I was really upset about it. And then when he introduced the song, he says, now this song is like an old friend, right, that I love. I've tried writing more songs like it. It just doesn't seem to work out. But I'm just glad I did it in the first place. And then the second thing he says listen to Amanda on this because she is brilliant and she doubles me on the solo. This is what he says in front of a crowd in London. She doubles me on the solo. Like no pressure. (laughs) Right. I said, wow, okay, because I'm coming here to see that, right? This is one of the big highlights for me is to see every day. So it's not only that he's willing to share the spotlight with someone of his stature, especially on their signature solo song, you don't see Eddie Van Halen calling people up to do eruption with him, right? But that you you pulled it off brilliantly, and, and he has that confidence in you. I mean, tell me what that's like to play that song every night. It must be exhilarating. It is. It is. It's a lovely song, and it... It's oh, it's very exhilarating, actually. It's it's quite it's always it's funny every time. I'm always nervous inside before playing that because it it is so iconic and it is you know to be invited to play on it is is always uh, you can sort of feel people like going oh okay you know and, and certainly when he introduced it like note for note and I'm like oh, 
<laughs> you know, I could feel all the eyes going. And um, it, but once once we launch into it, then then the nerves just kind of go, and and because I just enjoy it so much. And playing that solo, it's it's lovely because, as you say, Steve does have that trust. So I don't feel that he's kind of judging me or waiting for me to go wrong or anything. He's actually glad to have me there. He knows that originally he double tracked the, the the guitar for that anyway on on the original. So it's really nice for him to have that second guitar then because it, it bulks it out and and that's the, you know and then we break off in a little harmonies and Rob comes in with the harmonies as well and then we all kind of line it up and it, it it's just joyful. It really is joyful to play that. Yeah and to see yeah. the four of you back there together kind of all standing up at the same time jamming together back against the risers kind of in front of Roger and your drummer. I'm like, that's a cool visual too. The four of you all kind of doing that together. That for me was a real highlight. And then I, I, I even tweeted, I said, Amanda Lehman was great tonight. And you liked it right away. I said, wow, she's really on top of her Twitter game too. Look at her go. I know, I was backstage. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> one always checks out one's Twitter feed. <laughs> you must these days, I guess. Yeah, I know. It's a quick sort of cycle. So, yeah. <laughs> the other interesting too, uh, thing that I'm thinking about now is that it, in a world that is mostly dominated by men, it is, it is pretty refreshing to see a female who can hold her own i think the first time i ever saw that I th michael jackson had i think jennifer batten mm -hmm. was her name that played guitar for him and that was kind of a cool like hey look at that and so it's it's refreshing to see uh someone who is not a guy up there holding their own thank you yes yes i'm glad you think so it's 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 a funny it particularly i think it is a very male sort of dominated for you know, want of a better word, but it, it's a very male kind of arena. And I, it's funny because I, I don't usually sort of think about about that. Obviously, you know, you, you, you know, kind of dress up for the show, but I'm not kind of aware of it because I'm so used to just being a musician. And it's quite strange when you do get kind of negative feedback from people, which doesn't happen very often, but it's very odd. It's like, oh, really? You know, very strange. But generally, I have found that, I just, I just get welcomed, and it's um, which is nice because obviously you are stepping into a band that um, obviously has always been the boys, mm -hmm. and uh, but you just step in as one of the boys, you know, and just get on with on with it. And I think that comes that comes across. I think if you're going to be all girly and uh, it, it's it, it's different, but yeah, you just you just. I just do my rock chick thing. Get on with it. It's it's great. <laughs> well, I know that, uh, and and I don't I don't know her name off the top of my head, but White Snake just picked up a female bass player, and there was a whole big thing about you know, blah blah blah. And and Coverdale said I picked her up because she can play. Period. End of story. There is no other. That is why she got the gig. And I'm sure that's the same for you. It's that yeah, yes, you are you know a female in a male world, but it's because you can play. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that I that I really like is you've got your signature red guitars that come out all the time, so you know you know who it is. And and just if I could ask you about that real quick too, what, you, what do you play? What what type of uh, what manufacturer and why on the on the guitars? Well, originally, well, very originally, actually, I didn't have a red guitar. It was a Washburn guitar. It was a second hand one. That was my very first guitar. And then I I just saw this this lovely attack. It was called an attack to a quest guitar and i've never sort of seen them since it was kind of a one-off japanese thing and i saw it in a shop and 
thought well, I want to play that and, and it, it was a lovely guitar it's still it's still got it and and so that was my guitar for many 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 years and um then the Ibanez um which which is there actually behind me okay that that's kind of become my my kind of live guitar I generally will will use that live it's my sort of go-to live guitar and I use it a lot with my recordings and it's it's just again it's it's a lovely guitar to play it's it's got a really good action it's it's just I don't know the first time I, again the first time I picked that guitar up in the shop because I saw it and it's a red guitar and I thought come on Manda I know it's pretty but that's what the point you need <laughs> how does it sound how does it sound how does it feel so but I so and and I just sat there and played it for I don't know god knows how long in the shop because it sounded and felt so good so I thought well why look at anything else I'll have this and the other one I got um more recently about a year ago is my Stratocaster mm. uh, which is red and it, again it's it's i've wanted a strat for ages and ages uh, i love the sound of strat that gorgeous clean sort of chimey sound it makes and um i wanted to use that in some of my recordings on my album so again that that was um a bit of a no-brainer that, it was a, a second hand one actually and i'm just really happy to have that that set of guitars so that that'll do me for now <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting how some people, even though it's a Strat, you know, you think they're all the same, but they're really not. There's something about an individual guitar, the way it sounds, the way it feels. And and on the Strat side, you know, it's hard to argue with, you know, all the people that have played it before, the Eric Clapton, Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, Jimi Hendrix, they all, it's so iconic to me. The, the, the big two are the Gibson Les Paul and the Fender Stratocaster. But then the Ibanez, you know, you had people come in like Joe Satriani and Steve Vai that really pushed those as kind of like more of like I mean, the shred guitar, like you could play that one. That's the one you play fast and, and really melt people's faces with. So it's interesting that you kind of go back and forth between the two, the classic and more of the, the newer style of guitar. Yes, yeah, and they have their place, both of them, really. Um, and it's amazing, although the Ibanez is a real shredder guitar, it's a lovely job of, of the non-shred stuff as well. It's beautiful. It's, it's, uh, it's got a lovely sound, so you can, you can get all sorts of lovely things out of it. Well, the term prog itself, I, I feel like I never even heard that term until the 2000s or something like that. And then all of a sudden, it groups a whole lot of people together. Is it good or bad? I mean, I now get Prague Magazine, and obviously you've gotten some praise from them, and it seems like you've gotten a lot of praise from the Prague community generally, which I think is great. But how do you feel about that? Like Guy Pratt and Gary Kemp, who do the Rock on Tours and tour with Nick Mason, they call it the P word because they kind of want to stay away from it sometimes. <laughs> but they have to market this stuff somehow, right? So how do you feel about being... Not necessarily lumped in there, but being classified that way. I'm quite happy with it because I think that prog as a general musical genre does encompass an awful lot. It's become quite broad, although people might argue with me there. But I think, you know, it does. There's lots of subsets of it, perhaps. But I think that it does cover quite a wide range. But it, it generally aims I think to, to be really good music and I'm quite yeah I, I, I think that I'm quite happy if I have to be pigeonholed to go into that that group because I think that is my major influence over the the years that I've been playing but I'm, I've never been one to stick to any one genre um, because I, I like so many different sorts of music and I think on on this the album that I released I, there's a lot of influences there that aren't just prog and and in before I sort of finished it I thought is this going to be a problem you know it, because it's not 
a prog album you know is that going to get criticism from the progressive community uh it was not prog enough but actually they they've embraced it which is lovely because i've you know there's a there's lines that run through it that it's it, it, it's not kind of going here and then there and all over the place it, it has a flow to it so i think that um it, it still fits in with that but sort of pushes at the edges into into slightly different genres but i think prog tolerates that i think that prog can bend to to encompass that so I, I think that works for me yeah well let's get into the album then because it's uh it's innocence and illusion it came out in the late summer i think last year and it, it, yeah. it made our top at least my top albums of the year and great artwork here very cool again this is of the genre of prog <laughs> maybe not the style of roger dean but when you have floating islands and you know, animals and things like that, but it's very colorful. I mean, this is an independent release, and it's a beautiful package, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, and I guess it was Nick Magnus who did most of the work with you, although you have some guests on here whose names we'll know. It seems like he was kind of your chief collaborator, kind of engineer, helped you with some of the arrangements and things like that. How have you known Nick? Uh, I've known Nick for several years now. I met him through doing the the uh, live work with Steve. So I met him on on you know on, after the shows very early on, and I did uh, some vocal for him for his album uh, Catharsis back in uh, 2019 and so that was kind of the first time we'd worked together and got on really well working together so yeah I, I thought ah let's ask Nick if he'd be interested in in playing on one of the songs and uh, the song Tinkerbell was the one I was thinking of because I, I could hear his wonderful sort of imaginative orchestral style on that uh, and he was really keen and, and so it kind of went from there really because that worked so well that track I was ecstatic with with what he came up with for that um, and how I was able to, to to basically record the track send it over to him because it's all done remotely of course <laughs> and then, then he worked on his parts and sent it back to me and then we kind of you know pinged it back between us and and it was it was just an absolute joy and I was so pleased at the result so yeah we, we just you know carried on working together was this 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 album something that you've been wanting to do for a while or was this like a covid project like oh, I got time to, you know you said it was done remotely you kind of just walk me through that did you write the songs now or did you have them what was the kind of the, the beginning part of this record it was a, an album that I've been wanting to write for a long, long time. I have done a couple of albums for uh, one was uh, Wazoon, which was um, a duo album back in 94. We did that, that one. And then there was my EP, which I released in 2010. And then kind of like, you know, tumbleweed since then, nothing's happened. <laughs> but there's been so much going on in my head. I've been so busy with live work and everything else, you know, that life you know, makes you busy with. And the thing with, with doing an album is that you need so much time. I mean, you need big chunks of time, not, you know, you can't kind of, oh, I'm just going to do a quick hour. It's, it's all consuming. So I think that is why so much of it was done during lockdown, because I thought, well, if I'm not going to do it now, it's never going to happen. I kept saying, yes, I'll do my album, I'll do it. So I, I thought, right, I'm going to do this and, and other stuff will have to just wait and uh, I'm going to prioritize this now because it's way way over time some of the songs I had written like um, The Watcher I wrote when I was performing with my own band back in the 90s and then there was other ones that I wrote specifically like Who Are The Heroes which I wrote you know last year 
so that they they've varied there's been a whole sort of range and I think some of the older stuff I kind of reinvented it a bit as well I sort of rewrote bits of it and because uh, I was quite perfectionist with this album I wanted it to be as good as it could be so yeah it was it was a real mixture but uh, I tell you it's just such a joy to have that <laughs> album finished and people <laughs> to it. it's lovely because I, I, I wanted to do this for so long so when you write songs is it do you say to yourself okay i need to write a song okay one two three go or are you like is it things turning in your head and do you hear something and you say well that could be something and then work from there more the latter although sometimes i do have to write i've got to write this song or if somebody has asked me to to do a song for a specific reason but even then it has to kind of you know turn over for a little while i have to kind of just let it kind of mull away subconsciously for a little bit until I kind of settle on it. But yeah, generally, I think a song is quite organic for me. It, it will kind of, and then I'll sort of play around with it a little bit and, you know, maybe sort of change my mind several times on how it's going to be. But yes, it gets to a certain point and then I work on it. Then I start to sort of pull it to bits and, and chuck things out I don't like or, you know, start to actually construct it, which becomes a lot more analytical at that point. And so it kind of, yeah, it sort of crosses over at that point. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to me because I, this, this is so far above anything that I could do creatively, but you were talking about putting the album together and, and wanting to be perfect. I've made a couple of those travel books, like, you know, where you take your pictures and you make the book. And I have a hard time doing that. To put the album together and say, okay, this is done, it's finished, and not like obsess about it again and again and again, that, that has to be a very hard process. But I, I would imagine you'd have to say, okay, I know what I want it to sound like, and now it sounds like that, and then now we're done with this song, moving on to the next one. Very much, yeah. And it's interesting you say, yeah, it was about that one knowing when to finish and not to tinker with it anymore. And that's the, that's the bit, it, you know, can I do something more or will I ruin it if I do something more? Because you've got to have a little bit of, uh, I don't know, a bit of, you've got to have spontaneity and you've got to have realness. I don't like sort of making everything too perfect in the sense of the tuning and the rhythm so everything's, you know, it, it needs a little bit of, of realness about it. And it's knowing where that line is. And as you say, when to, when to leave it, some songs you just know, yeah, that's it, you know, just this bit, this bit, this bit, but other than that, it's done. And other ones, you kind of, you need to sleep on them for a few days and then you might think, no, no, I know what it is. There's, that something's not right. That's what it is. So it's, it's just constant sort of analysis, really. But yeah, it, as you say, it's, with the pictures, you know, you, you move them around and it's the same with songs. You move bits around and eventually you kind of know it's done, but you have to, to tune yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> well, they say art is never finished, only abandoned. So, you know, maybe that's the case for music as well. Let's get into who are the heroes. Great way to start the record. It kind of starts a little sparse and pretty, but then we've kind of got this ramp up, right? Ramp up in the middle where you got some great keyboard going. It gets pretty proggy, to use the P word in there. And when you come back, it'd be you got some really nice guitar work on there. Thank uh, you. You know, n- nice opener for the record here. Yes, I think that in a way, Who Are The Heroes is a bit of an overture. It, it was, that song took, took me a long time to put together. A lot of it was constructed, well, not a lot of it, but quite a lot of the early work when I was out dog walking and, and I'd have these bits of music in my head and I'd be going over it because I, I kind of like, I'm not distracted when I'm out walking and just, so I've got my phone so I can sing into it or, or sing rhythms or chords into it and just just sort of play with ideas and I wanted 
that song to be a story, not just in the sense of a, a lyric, but also a musical journey. I wanted to get that sort of quiet sweetness into it and some ominous, slightly odd kind of music in the in, sort of in the early part and I love the the building to that instrumental because I think you're not expecting that it's oh this is going to be this sort of a song and then it, it breaks out into this middle bit which goes with the story with the, with the heroes mm-hmm. you know there there is a sort of a cathartic moment in, in the song anyway and imagine these sort of like crazy sort of images uh, going on at the same time as all this instrumental and then it then it comes back into this very sort of big sort of out outward passage where you've got all the 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 thematic guitar and the the kind of the realization of who the heroes actually are and so you've got sunshine there so there's all sorts of different different atmospheres in that song and different styles of playing and I I really had a challenge putting that together but it, it was it was again really enjoyable to to do that. Yeah, it's yeah. a great way to start, real signature piece to start the record with. Yeah. We, we talk about this a lot. I mean, most of our shows are album reviews, and it's always interesting to see, you know, what starts the record off, how you've got to kind of set the tone, set the mood, here's what I want to do, and go. Yes, yeah, very much so. Yeah, I think it's important. And uh, I, that was sort of planned to be the first track. But interestingly, once I'd done all the songs, I thought, well, I need to be sure, does this work as the first track? Would a different one work better? So I did, I tried all sorts of ideas, but no, that that was definitely track number one. So yeah, there it stayed. <laughs> and then it shifted a little bit, you know, for Tinkerbell, it's more acoustic, you know, it's very ethereal, very Tinkerbell-like. And actually, I think it really kind of embodies your back cover here with the mushrooms and the bioluminescence at night there. Uh, tell, yes. us, tell us a little bit about that one. Tinkerbell is a very, it's quite a tragic song. It's a very romantic song and it's a very magical song. Tinkerbell is a character and she is, she's quite mischievous. She's sad also. She's a, she's like on the other side of the glass. She wants to love. She wants to sparkle her magic all over the place. You know, she she's a very uh, romantic soul, but she just... It's, it's kind of a song like about unrequited love and that's why it's it's quite a sort of a, a sad slightly kind of tragic song but also with the instrumental part which uh, is the, all the sort of orchestral sort of Harry Potter meets mm. oh name's gone out of my head never mind very sort of thematic film music John and Williams been, pardon John Williams no yes there you go <laughs> there you go <laughs> good one. that wasn't the one I was thinking of but it's gone out of my mind but um, you can sort of visualize Tinkerbell doing her kind of journey at that point and sort of she, she's sort of flying around above the houses as Tinkerbell does and I think that it's it's very atmospheric and very visual song and I think that people really resonate with that song I think there's something about it that that it kind of gets you on an emotional level and I think it's it's quite a universal emotion as well and, and it was written very much from the heart and I think that people receive it as their own story which is what I really want with, with the songs I write anyway I want people to be able to take those songs and, and make those songs their own and uh, their own stories. It's, it's, yeah. it's poignant. Now, my seven-year-old is just learning to play the guitar, and I try to introduce her to women who also sing and play guitar. And she was listening yeah. to that when she's like, wow, she's really good. She's better than me. I'm like, well, honey, you just have to grow into it. That's all, you know. <laughs> you will get there, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, you have to be inspired. Absolutely. This is the thing. You know, if you if you if she hears somebody she likes, then then you learn to do those things. You know, that, that that's that's how I did it. I, I copied people. I, I, I wanted to, to be as good as them. I, so I would learn their techniques. And, you know, you end up having your own individual style at the end. So, yeah, good luck to her. You know, she 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 just has to aspire and, and keep keep doing what she does best. I will definitely tell her that. She'll get there. Yeah, and uh, but no, but and then you shift gears again here, and there's a couple of great bluesy songs. I mean, Only Happy When It Rains, I love it. You know, it's got a little blues <laughs> to it. You've got a little more baritone in your voice to start off this one. You oh, know? yeah, yeah, but, but yeah. Going down a little bit. Plus, you've got some really cool guest stars on this one. You know, I feel yes. like this one stands out non-proggy, but yeah. this obviously shows the different shades of, of what you like to play and put together. Yeah, yeah. But I, think, but I think, too, it also fits in also. Like, it is definitely a shift, but and I remember the first time I heard it, I said, okay, I, it, it's different, but it works. I like that that kind of gear change on this one, too. Yeah, and I like that. That's a nice way of putting it. It's a gear change. It's not like getting out and getting into a different vehicle. So it, 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 no. it, it does fit in with the rest of it, but it definitely does kind of change you. Well, it doesn't change you. It, it, it shifts your mood. And I think, you know, I don't, I like to sort of hold an emotion, but I think that you do need a bit of respite. I didn't want to do just something totally silly, but that one, it just lifts you. So it's got like a cynicism in it. It's got a darkness in it, that song. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it, it does give you a bit of respite and, and, and rhythmically it's, it's kind of a release. So, and I, I love singing that bluesy style. <laughs> and you got Rob Townsend playing sax on it. I was really impressed with him when I saw you guys live. He's he what we in America would call a utility infielder, somebody who can do a lot of different things for you. You know, yeah. oh, you need a flautist, yeah, get you need a sax player, okay, get him. You need an extra drummer, there he is. You know, it, it, yeah, you need like yeah. four less people if you have one Rob Townsend, right? <laughs> That's right. He's an amazingly multi-talented. He really is. He's such a clever guy. He's very, very good. And he's so calm with it. It's just, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> it's amazing. Not to mention yeah. Roger King, who I, for the last 20 years, has blown me away with his production and his keyboard work. He's somebody else I'd yeah. love to talk to sometime as well. Yes. But, and then you go to The Watcher, and you actually produced a video for this which is really cool. You don't always see that on independent releases. And I thought it was really neat. And it seemed like you communicate better with music than words. And so I'm thinking, is she the watcher? And then I watched the video. I'm like, well, maybe I was wrong about that. I don't know. So I thought I'd let you answer the question about what it's really about. <laughs> well, the watcher, again, the watcher, I kind of like to leave people to figure out what it is for them. The Watcher, essentially, it, it was written about the internal critic, the watcher in your mind that is watching you and uh, just judging or uh, it's a quite oppressive song and kind of wanting to break free and there's bits of the watcher and it's always trying to break free and, and never and always being pulled back again. So there's this kind of brinkmanship about it. But again, the watcher can be all sorts of things. It, it, you know, it could be a regime, it, it can be, I don't know, like a guilty conscience or it it could be another or it could be a person in an abusive relationship it, it it can be so many things that's the thing about it's a very kind of nebulous lyric which again doesn't dictate to the person listening this is what this is about is again it's about what that person it means to that person listening that's the way it should be yeah. that's the way it should be you put it out in the world and you let people take it in and, and derive for themselves what meaning they get from it now that's that absolutely makes sense 
But the yeah. video is really neat, top notch, and we are going to be tweeting about it as we release this. So yes, look yes, out that for was it. Uh, Paul Gosling from Crooked Hand Productions. He did that. He did an amazing job because I realized I was announcing the the release of the album, and I thought I haven't actually got a single to release with this. Oh my god! So I, I phoned up Paul and I said, "Are you busy this week?" <laughs> he said, "Well, actually, I'm not too busy. Why?" I said, hey, "Could you like produce a video in three days?" So we thrashed this thing out in in just three days. That the video and it, it works really, really well. I think he's done an amazing job on it. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing about videos too is that uh, Mac and I we grew up in the the MTV days and the videos added so much more to the song. You know, you could do different things with them. Yeah. You can kind of add to, but also reinforce what you're trying to to accomplish in the song. So it, yeah, I thought that was cool that, that you actually did make videos. Uh, I think you made more than one for this one. Yeah, um, and it, 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 it was that fun to kind of have another layer to that to to yeah. kind of tell the story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I love visuals, and you know, I, again that. That's a, that's a whole other area. If you have, again, enough time and budget, you you could really go to town on on videos. So and yeah, you know, I mean, I was I grew up with them. So I, I think that it's it's a whole other area of theatre, isn't it? That that you can you can utilise to make the whole thing even more exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and of course, you made a video for for Memory Lane, which is an incredibly personal song for you. And I'd say kind of brave to put it out there, you know, about your mother and her health. I'm, I'm sure it was cathartic, but is it hard to open up about something that is so private and then share that with the world? It is and it isn't. It, it, I think that what really mattered to me with that song was to actually make something good out of something bad. So, you know, what happened to mum with her dementia was was just heartbreaking and, and so harrowing, you know, year after year to experience. And But realising that so many other people are experiencing this and being able to share that with with them I think is is important and that made it so worthwhile for me so yes it's hard but just hearing that it it has actually helped people even if it just helps them just while they're listening to it or if it helps them in a longer term way whatever it's it's just really important to me that that is a shared experience and people maybe just don't feel quite so alone for a little while. And that's really the great thing about music is you can listen to it for the tune and just kind of say, ah, but when, but when you really get into the lyrics, yeah, you can share experiences and you, you know that they're, you're not alone. People go through the same thing or similar things. Yes. You know, you, you mentioned unrequited love, you know, personal yes. tragedies and yeah, it just does make you, you feel bad, but you also feel better because it, <laughs> No, and, and and that's why it's cool that somebody like you can can put down on well, I don't say paper, but you can record things that other people can relate to in, in a way that it like I said, it just it just makes you feel better that you have somebody out there. Here's your pal. I've never met this person before. I don't know anything about them, but I know in some way I connect with this person, and and they help me through a hard time. Absolutely, yeah. You've put that so well. It, it really is very, very much like that. It's like you can hold someone's hand for a moment. It is like a friend. And I think that it's a very healing. Music can be incredibly healing. And I, and I really like that. It's important. Yeah. Is that is that ever strange for you when you when you meet somebody who is a complete stranger and they're, oh, I, you know, I love you. I know everything about you. I say, oh, okay. Okay, thank you. But <laughs> I, I don't, we're not... 
Mm-hmm. We're not we're not friends here. We're we're just but but just to have so much of your life out there that that people can consume is, is that ever strange to meet fans or are people usually pretty pretty okay when they get to finally meet you? I think people are mostly pretty okay actually. I think I've I've had very little that's been a problem with people. They're incredibly respectful and friendly and they don't intrude. You do get one or two, obviously, and and you just kind of have to try and manage that because you know really they're just projecting something that they need and you just have to make sure your boundaries are there but you're not kind of locking them out but not letting them in. It's, It's kind of getting that balance just right because, you know, we're all people and, and you just got to kind of realize what it's really about. And it's not really about you. It's about them. Right. And, and I guess the other thing, too, is it, the, for the for the people that are, are fans of your music, they they are so they're passionate about it. And so in, in some ways, that's got to make you feel really good that they've connected with it and they found something that they really that they really like in it. But at the same time, too, it's like going to keep our keep our boundaries here. <laughs> Yeah, I think boundaries are really important, I think, for us all. And and I think that's important for people who, you know, if you're listening to music, I think that, like we were saying, it's it's people's own story. And I think if they get kind of, I don't know, I, I think that, that it needs to, there needs to be a certain distance with that material. I, and I find that people generally, it's funny, you know, people generally don't ask beyond a certain level. I think that almost people kind of want to keep, things for themselves and they don't generally kind of ask awkward questions or really dig well what is that song really about for you you know I think that people are just interested to hear what you've got to say but they they what what they feel about it and they're quite protective of that I think that's fine how it works well don't speak too soon Amanda we're not done with the interview quite yet we might delve deeper than you're comfortable with so (laughs) (laughs) no 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 no. we'll be respectful Hi, I'm Amanda Lehman, and you're listening to Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. But I want to get to Forever Days. I think this is a really cool song. Could maybe be the best song on the album. I I think I read an interview where you were searching for the riff. Like, I got to have a riff for this. You came up with it, and then you went and listened. Did I rip this off? Did I hear this and not realize it? You went and listened to a bunch of stuff to make sure that it was, in fact, yours and not just... Something that yeah. maybe, you, you know, as a mockingbird or, you know, you just kind of <laughs> took it. But it gets really heavy in that middle eight or bridge. There's some heavy yeah. duty stuff. I thought it could have fit in in the opening set that you did at the Palladium. I said it could have fit in with those songs really well. You know, tell me a little yeah, bit about that you. one. Yeah, no, fa- thank you. I, yeah, I like the fact that you say that. That's great. But yeah, it, it's got some quite sort of heavy, heavy bits in it and some, com- you know, sort of, sort of a little bit more complex. But again, that was that was a really challenging song to put together. Because uh, I wanted that to be exciting because the whole of the theme of it is about those kind of heady forever days and it is a bit of a roller coaster. So I wanted to have the roller coaster in the middle with the instrumental. Chucked so much out that I kept sort of thinking, oh yeah, this is good. And the next day I'd listen to it and nah, 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 nah. And it, it went through a lot of changes before I was happy with it enough to then send it over to Nick to do all his stellar work with. So it, it was quite a complex song, that one. And because it goes through so many changes, what I really didn't want was for it to sound like it was this bit and then this bit and this bit. They had, there had to be a reason for each part to follow on. So it, it was making it like make sense within itself. So it, it was um, it was a great, great track. And a lot of that I composed 
funnily enough, on the keyboard. There you go. As well as the guitar, obviously the riffy part with the guitar. But yeah, a lot of it was, uh, a lot of it I composed on the keyboard. And the chorus, the Forever Days bit, it's very melodic, very kind of old school moody blues. You know, I'm like, wow, she's really incorporating a lot of cool stuff into this one. Yeah, well, it- Again, with, with, with Forever Days, because it, it, I wanted to get lots of different genres in that, because, again, it needed to be a nostalgic song, not just with the words, but with the music. So I wanted some 70s in there, I wanted some 80s in there, I wanted, you know, all sorts of different influences from different songs without ripping anything off. So I had it in mind, you know, it's even got some nice synth bass in there. It's got it's got all sorts of different styles to, to give it that nostalgic feel, yeah. And you had a guest guitar player on that track too, didn't you? Yes. That's right, Mr. Steve Hackett. Yeah, he's doing he's doing some wonderful guitar. Yeah, yeah. I wanted because again, I wanted to give him lots of different things to play on. So I wanted to hear that crazy guitar playing. He, you know, all the whammy bar and the tapping. I said, go for it on that bit. And then we got some lovely melodic guitar later on from him, and some. And I asked him also to do some of the kind of more haunting stuff that comes in and out where the vocals are, which he's so good at. So yes, I gave him sort of lots to do on that. And also we did some twin guitars. So you've got like a real guitar fest on that on that song. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing track. How you 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 mentioned. Uh recording some stuff in the in the mid 90s how did it and i would imagine that was in a, a studio standalone studio that you went to with other musicians and recorded how is that different from doing it now at your home and and putting together the part and sending it off electronically do you miss one over the other is it is it how does that compare and contrast yeah it's, it's hugely different actually i mean I, I think one of the things i love about the way that we can do it now is you can take your time i think that one of the things with being in the studio it was very exciting sort of being in that kind of studio environment and all the sound of it and the the, the whole feel of, of being in a studio and with the engineer just sort of like you know at the helm and you just quickly go and do your parts. You've got to make sure everything's rehearsed up before you do it. And then you just do those parts. And there's very little, but there's very little time for kind of thinking, well, let's try this. Let's try that. Because you've got budget. <laughs> you've got sort of pounds flying out of the window. Right. And so you're, you're very under pressure in a studio, which can get the best out of you. But it's, it's limiting. And I do love being able to do this. You know, actually, I can record in my own home. It's fantastic stick you know I've got my studio set up and it's all there that that's just really if I could have like seen myself then (laughs) seen myself now I would go oh wow (laughs) that's what I want because so yeah I feel very fortunate to be able to do that now yeah no that's cool but we are one song actually showed up on the the harmony for elephants cd which is yes. a really neat project. I, I want to know a little bit more about the, the project itself, but is this you playing everything on this song? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, I played everything on this one. Yeah, it's, um, I remixed it. Well, the, the vocals are, are, obviously everything was played on the original Harmony for Elephants album track that I did as well. But for this album, I, I redid some of it. So it's not exactly the same. You know, I thought, well, if people have bought that. They don't want exactly the same song. So I, I redid the, the vocals and I added some little extra vocally bits and some little extra bits of guitar in there as well, just to give some little different bits to it. But yeah, yeah, that was that was all my own sort of keyboard and work as well. But uh, Nick Magnus uh, mixed it all. So, you know, he sort of did his wonderful engineering on it, which uh, it 
obviously needs. So, no doubt. Yeah. And then in the booklet, even under the lyrics and explaining, <laughs> you still got the pictures of the elephants that show up on the front here. It's very well put together. I thought that was really <laughs> Thank nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But now Childhood Delusions, this one I love too, okay? This is, yeah. this, is uh, this is a mature song. You couldn't have written this in the 90s. You have to live a little bit to be able to, to write and play a song like this. It's almost yes. like a piano bar lament to me at first yes yeah very much so yeah you can imagine it sort of i don't know in a sort of a 1930s bar mm -hmm. sort of last song of the night you know sort of in a smoky bar just leaning on the piano and <laughs> very much is, that is the is the bass that was like an acoustic bass like a stand-up bass yes that's right okay okay yeah that, that led to the jazz feel yeah you're right you feel you think there's there's just smoke everywhere you know i've yeah. got my with Ski and, and cigarette there yeah and, and again a nice a nice change of pace on this one a nice gear change it kind of just it fits in but it just it kind of it kind of brings it down and, yes. and your voice sounds different on this one you get to sing in a different different register and yes. yeah this this is a great song thank you yeah I, I do love the song it's it's it, it was funny it was, it was made out of two songs really and I kind of amalgamated them into one and again it composed this obviously on the piano which you can kind of hear but yes it's a very for the album innocence and illusion which is so much of it has this childhood thread that runs through it this really does bring that together as the the penultimate track and um it's it's a very poignant song i think it does pull you in to to that whole kind of childhood nostalgia and uh yeah very fond of this song and you pulled the album <laughs> title out of the lyrics that's right uh, yes not unlike your band, David Gilmore pulled a momentary lapse of reason out of one slip. A lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. And then you wrap up with a nice little acoustic thing where the small things go, short and sweet, you know, written with, uh, you know, some guitar player who's kind of around in your life, I guess. But it <laughs> kind of just rounds out the whole album, brings it to a nice close, yes? Yes, yes. It's like a, like a little lullaby, just sort of basically saying... Okay, that was quite a ride, but everything's all right. It's all going to be nice, you know. Is it? It's it's just a little gentle lullaby at the end of the album. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, and we, and we talk about we talk about that too. You know, the the first track is important, but also the last track of the record yeah. to kind of just close it out. You know, we 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 listen to some records and you think, oh, well, that was just kind of a throwaway they put on. Well, we got one more, yeah. just throw it on here. This was kind of a nice wrap up to say thank you for being here. Enjoy. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Yes, it's just a nice little bookend and, yeah, in itself. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I think the last track is very important on an album because it needs to leave you just feeling, you know, that's what you're, you're sort of saying goodbye with. And it needs to leave somebody with a good, good positive feeling. Definitely. Absolutely. So for 2022 here, uh, are we going to see you live? Are you going to try to tour uh, to show off this album a little bit? Are you going to be touring in any other respect sometime later this year? Well, I'm not going to be touring this album this year. I'm not sure about the future for touring uh, for it. I'm certainly going to be working on, on another album, so I've already got lots of ideas for the next one, so watch this space. I'll be doing a bit of touring with Steve and the band as well this year and later on in the year. Foxtrot 50, um, I already have my tickets. Oh, good. <laughs> 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 but you won't be coming to America, right? Because Jackson's going to see them finish seconds out, and he and he was, of course, hoping to see you, but you're not going to make it for that leg, right? I can't make it to America. I'm sorry, but yeah, you will love the shows. It, the, they are definitely. Well, then I'll just I'll just have to uh, truck myself over there when uh, things yes get back to normal and see. Yeah, I mean that would be great. To, when, when is that Foxtrot Fifty show? 
That's uh, September, October time. Yeah. All right. Well, put that on the calendar. There you go. Yeah, please do. Yeah, that'd be fab. That'd be brilliant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, this is wonderful, Amanda. We can't thank you enough for, for coming on. You're a wonderful, you know, happy guest to have on. You're obviously a great talent. We love your new record. And yeah, once you've got another new record to promote, or you're going to go back on tour, anytime you want to talk, maybe you want to talk about one of your favorite albums, hey, you're welcome to come on the show anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been lovely talking to you both. Uh, the hour has just zoomed by, as it always does. Always Excellent. Does. Excellent. <laughs> Have a one, wonderful day, and thank you so much. All the best. Yes, thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. I think we did all right. Well, she was a lovely guest. I mean, she's obviously, you know, a great personality and, and an amazing talent, but uh, easy to talk to, you know? I mean, I feel like we're fairly similar right. in age, and she gets it. She, she knows why we would do a show like this, and it seems like she agreed with a lot of the things you had to say, Jackson. I think you guys had some special rapport. Well, that's because I know what's up. Yeah, no, she, she just and I think part of it, too, is that the fact that she's English. She's just a more, not like a real flaky person to talk to. She's she real down to earth right. even though she you know she is in the music business it, you know like some people you hear interviews with and you're like what are you even talking you're just being weird for weird yeah. sake who do you think you Don't are stop that. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly she seems like somebody that like if you didn't know who she was she would just be a normal you know she's a mom she's you know she's done other things in her life you would never know that she's a professional touring musician who makes her own music that was I think that was pretty good and yeah i think we, we had some stuff that we that resonated with her and i hope she had a good time well i don't know if amanda had a good time on our show but i know that we did it was a great conversation it was a lot of fun to talk to amanda to talk about her album Innocence and Illusion, talk a little bit about her coming up and learning music as a young woman, starting a career, finding Steve and, and a lot of the touring that she's done with him over the years. Just a lovely person to talk to, and we wish her all the great success with the album Innocence and Illusion. Of course, I can't wait to see her play live again this fall. She will be touring with Steve and the band as he tours with a focus on the 50th anniversary of Foxtrot, which came out in 1972 while he was with Genesis. Of course, he's had a lot of success reigniting the flame on some of these older Genesis records that he's played on. Done a lot of great touring over the last 10, 12, 15 years, actually longer than that as far as revisiting those Genesis things. And so I can't wait to see her again this fall. Now, please check her out. She is at Amanda Lehman 25. That's L-E-H-M-A-N-N. And you can check her out her website, amandalayman.co.uk. That's where you can see the videos we talked about for Innocence and Illusion. You can purchase the album. You can hear her other music, see what she's up to. Also, you can check out Instagram, Facebook, all the different places that you can find out information about Amanda. She's been very good to us on Twitter. Lots of retweets and likes and seems to be pretty active on that one. I'm not that into Facebook or Instagram, though we should probably be. We need to work on that for 2022, I'm sure. But definitely go check out Amanda. On Twitter, it's at AmandaLayman25 and www.amandalayman.co.uk to get all that good information, see all her new music and everything that she's up to here coming up. Now, next week, we're going to talk with another friend, this time a friend from Canada, Chris who has an amazing Twitter following, at Rock These Tweets, called My Rock and Roll Heaven. And it seems like Chris 
is about our age and likes a lot of the same stuff that we like from the 80s, the hard rock. Some people call it hair metal. Some people call them hair bands. But the hard rock that we kind of grew up with in that late 80s generation of MTV viewers, he seems to be a big fan of. He's fantastic on Twitter, always has this day in rock and roll stuff going on that's very informative and fun to relive. And he's also worked with our buddy Neil from Def Lep Pod quite a bit. Together, we're going to review Guns N' Roses' debut, Appetite for Destruction. And honestly, you can't have a bigger debut than Appetite, in my opinion. Hard, heavy, defining your sound, sold incredibly well, did well on MTV, kind of set them up for enormous success. And say what you want about the Gunners, they, they were incredibly successful. They didn't have a ton of output in their lives, and obviously Axel has proven difficult to work with over the years, but that's what we're going to be up to next week. Now, until then, we want you to check us out at Ugly underscore Werewolf and at ActionJack72 on Twitter. You can tweet us, you can DM us, please follow us. And check out all past episodes at www.uglyamericanwerewolf.libsyn.com. Check us out on Good Pods, where we will respond to any questions that you might have or comments. You can give five-star reviews there. I understand you can now do five-star reviews on Spotify. And just any kind of review, anywhere you go, whether it's Apple, it's Amazon, it's anywhere that you get your podcast. If you can give us a good review, that's really helpful for us. It just helps us find more rock fans like you. And if we see it, or if you send it to us, we might just read it on the show. So until next time, rock and rollers, all of you all around the world, be cool and stay safe. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years' experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.